This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. More Than Muse podcast. I am Stani. And I am Sadie. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I'm very excited about what we are talking about today. Oh, me too. It's going to be a fun topic. And to start it off, I actually wanted to ask you, Sadie, like, have you read any romance novels? No, I haven't. And now I want to. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you need to. Yeah, have you? (laughs) Yes. So actually, like, when I was in junior high like late elementary junior high so probably like mm-hmm. sixth grade fifth or sixth grade and then junior high um I got really bored with the books that we were allowed to read at school like the ones that they had in the library because yeah. my reading level was like really high for how young I was I was reading a high school reading level in third grade because reading was like all I did Easy. for fun yeah same that is yeah (laughs) and I got so bored with the books that were offered because I didn't like fantasy and all the realistic fiction ones were like coming of age so it was about the same things over and over again Mm -hmm. and so I asked my mom if I could read some of the books that she had from the library and that was two different genres it was crime novels and romance novels and mind you Mm. both of them were like Christian so they're both like really yes. clean. So my mom wasn't concerned at all. About well, that's what I was wondering. I was like, wow, really? Just because I know, you know, your whole background. Yeah, no, they're Christian romance novels. That means like Very you nice. can't even tell sometimes if they actually were intimate until all of a sudden she announces she's pregnant and you're like oh okay (laughs) like just so very subtle (laughs) but the like the stories were more exciting and entertaining to me than a lot of the other ones I was reading because the plot was more dynamic like yeah was more involved and so actually some of the books that I own like hard copies of that aren't like necessarily art books are romance Mm -hmm. novels yeah I have a couple that I'll I'll tell you about that are really great that I really love so yeah like I read a lot of them growing up I would say it's probably one of my favorite genres of reading even though I don't talk about that a lot obviously which we can get into in this episode well yeah I'm so (laughs) glad we have a hands-on actual a true romance (laughs) reader right here because I wasn't really gonna be able to provide much context for that because I don't really remember I mean I'm pretty much the same typical trope that we all are where we all read a lot as kids and now as adults and teenagers we hardly ever did slash do so hard to find time to read yeah it's been a while since I've really read anything and so I never really I mean I read Nicholas Sparks books Mm -hmm. but I mean I'm gonna talk about Nicholas Sparks yeah we're gonna get into that because I don't Mm -hmm. think that necessarily counts no I never counted it either yeah but that's probably the only thing that would count well it's a slept on genre for sure so I'm excited for you to talk about it especially coming off of our Jane Austen episode which I know she's definitely a romance author and yet her work is esteemed so that's interesting but (laughs) and also the idea for this is shout out to what the podcast okay sis we've talked about them before Mm -hmm. he talked about a book on the podcast that was a romance novelist or excuse me it was a romance novel and made a comment or asked a question to the author about the fact that you know the genre of romance and the the stigma that the genre can have and that's when that's kind of where we got the idea of hey, let's dive into this more and do a whole episode about it. And now I'm not a passionate romance novel reader, but I'm very passionate now about the concept of romance novels. So I'm excited. Yeah, no. And for anyone who wants to check out that episode, it was their June book club with Christina Lauren, who wrote the book, The Soulmate Equation, which I have not read, but they talked with the author about it and it was a great discussion. Okay, well, I'm going to give a very brief history of romance novels here the very first novel that was considered a romance was called Pamela or Virtue Rewarded by Samuel Richardson 
that was published in 1740, which was crazy to me how long ago that was. I know. And that was the very first novel to be written solely from the female point of view and to feature a love story with a happily ever after. Which is so weird to think of a world where there weren't books where things ended well and like from the female point of view and people fell in love. Like what? You would think that like that's such like a typical thing that... <laughs> like a typical aspect of humanity that would be like already covered in a book i know so strange and we're gonna go on and talk about like how that is what defines a romance novel um Mm -hmm. but continuing on like stani mentioned jane austen and charlotte bronte published pretty successful romance novels as well Mm -hmm. um of course you know they have books about people who fall in love and then end up happily ever after and it's all from the women's perspective however the genre didn't really take off as a mass market industry until 1930s with the founding of harlequin yeah that was the first company to like to make a point almost of selling romance novels and apparently like it was they were selling romance novels it was all about convenience for women and it was a very strategic business plan that allowed them to become a powerhouse and now what is a multi-billion dollar industry which is crazy (laughs) the weird part to me about this was that like i didn't know harlequin was like a publishing agency i thought it was like a type of romance novel or something you know what i mean like because i've heard of harlequin romance but i didn't know it was a publishing company i thought it was like a genre which i guess it kind of did become its own genre in a way <laughs> yeah that's because like they started it out and almost like coined this yeah thing about rome this whole genre mm-hmm. that's crazy and people make so many jokes about like oh the character in a harlequin romance like the guy has the open chest with the billowing white shirt and you know mm-hmm. the woman's like wearing a corset and everything <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's just funny this is like an example of it's like how the brand name almost becomes what people identify it with mm-hmm. like clorox wipes band-aids yeah. rather than you know sanitizing wipes and band-aid bandages <laughs> that's kind of weird it is Crazy weird though. yeah so that was super funny to me that i was like oh okay <laughs> good to know (laughs) like that was actually the company that started it or not (laughs) started it but like really pushed this whole thing Mm -hmm. so today the romance audience is 82 percent female an interesting thing too is that 90 with 92 percent reading print 64 percent ebooks and 35 percent audiobooks I like the fact that it's keeping print alive. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking, too. Like, the fact that 92% of romance novel novel readers are reading print, like, that's becoming less and less common. But for them, I mean, it's kind of funny, though, because I feel like they're, now it's almost turning into a kind of a romantic thing mm-hmm. to have an actual physical book, right? Yeah. Like, it's almost like part of the aesthetic of reading now even though it's like definitely more convenient to like have it on an iPad or an ebook type thing, you know? Yep. So I wonder, I don't know, maybe that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> no, it's cool though. It's like way to keep the publishing industry going, romance. I know. <laughs> Another crazy statistic about romance novels is that basically it says romance publishers have kept up every step of the way and 23% of the U.S. book market is romance novels. Literally a fourth, almost a fourth of all books sold in America are, is this genre. I've been shocked doing all this research of how much people are consuming this and just how popular it is. Another interesting thing about romance novels is that it really does reflect like the socio-political times. Like as an example, with the economic crash of the early 2000s, romance novels saw a rise in like the billionaire heroes. Mm -hmm. But whereas with now, with like, the Me Too movement and the political, the current political climate, the alpha male hero isn't really something that are in Mm -hmm. the romance novels. And it's more so focused on the strong female heroine, which is kind of cool because it just, the contemporary romance novels, it really does just reflect that the times that they are written in. So I think it's probably would be interesting to go back and like read a romance novel from the 50s, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And it's like you can really get a window into what was important to society at those times or like what people were insecure about, you know? Yeah, no, that's cool. It kind of made me just think about the fact that like we don't have a lot of things in society that show like the ideal man at each era. 
if that makes sense because like I feel like so much of ads and like videos and everything were focused on like the ideal woman in every scenario and every time period so I'm sure like these romance novels if you were to find one from every time period it would kind of show you what the idealized romantic situation was which is like a window into society that we don't necessarily get from like the the female point of view yeah exactly I I love that because I think we can go back and be like, oh, the societal beauty standards for women. Like, mm-hmm. that's so, so common. But yeah. you're right. It's not always mirrored. It's like, what were the women actually looking for? And also, too, it's like, what were the women actually looking for? Not mm-hmm. what, like, the men think that the women wanted. Yeah, exactly. Know? <laughs> uh-huh. Because, no, it's like, it's easy to, like, assume that, like, the oh, trope women of- want big, strong men with big muscles yeah. who are brave and strong and it's like well some kind of (laughs) kind of but also like what about someone who I don't know is sensitive and is able to communicate their emotions and I think the thing with like romance novels is that it allows more of a window into like personality traits and like situations rather than just appearances because it's a novel like yeah it has to focus more on the like substance of the person rather than the appearance of the person because it's not like a movie or an advertisement so it's kind of interesting because I feel like that would give you more of an idea of what women were actually looking for you're right I mean with any like rom-com it's almost like they just would hire the most Mm -hmm. you know the hottest men and hottest women in Hollywood where you're right with this like the readers have to use their imagination anyways so you have to fill in Okay, so like I mentioned, there is a romance-like formula that defines a book as a romance novel. Um, and it, I think it, it's, it's almost like funny that it's like everything follows the same thing. I think it's funny, though, too, because like this is what a lot of people have as a criticism against romance mm-hmm. novels is that it follows this formula. But uh, we can talk about it a little more, but I think it's a part of the appeal for a lot of people yeah because like you know what you're gonna get it's like watching the same tv show or the same movie over and over again like as like a comfort movie right exactly you know what's gonna happen so as the formula for romance novels obviously it's a love story it ends well ends with a happy ever after yes typically the first sex scene will occur 60 percent of the way through the story followed by some type of fallout between the characters and then there's a reconciliation Mm -hmm. right before the ending yeah so but of course there's so many different ways you can tell that version of the story of course falling out and getting back together (laughs) and all that you can throw them into a million different time periods you can make the fallout a million different things the reconciliation happen a million different ways like it's not like it's limiting creativity And one of the things that I also found was interesting is that the person in this article will definitely be linking this article. It was awesome. But they argue that crime, which a lot of people are like, oh, it's a more literary, like profound and I don't know, more established genre. It also follows a formula. Like, yeah, there's a crime. There's someone trying to solve it. There's a conflict, a false suspect, and then the true criminal. And it's like, okay, so what's the problem with the romance novel genre and it's only because women are the focus rather than the male dominated crime genre and also if you look back like literally every single genre follows some type of formula oh yeah like (laughs) everything follows some type of formula everything of art like even like songs like every single song has a verse chorus verse chorus bridge Mm -hmm. chorus that doesn't mean it's a bad song if it follows that same formula it means that they're following a formula that really works well for that medium of art yeah like people aren't out there criticizing every haiku that was ever written because it follows the same syllable pattern exactly (laughs) like that's kind of the point (laughs) yeah like I think art thrives within boundaries I think that's something that like I love about design especially is that like if I have constrictions it forces me to like be more creative in a different way and so I think by having this set formula yeah like you're allowed to like expand within this like set constriction that you have I think in a lot of ways it makes it more creative like more open to different possibilities within the constraints and also too it's like if you're just looking at a white blank page and someone's like okay paint something it's like what (laughs) but if someone's like you know oh paint a sunset there's so many different ways you could take a sunset and it's still creative exactly (laughs) yeah no I completely agree 
So it's just interesting that there's so much criticism on that formula when it's like life literally has a formula. everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me a book genre that doesn't follow some yeah, type of formula. No, exactly. Like all the Harry Potter novels, I think, kind of follow the same plot through every book. So okay, so this next thing, I just want to we're going to talk about the top five popular romance novelists. Yeah, and this number one truly blew my mind with the statistics here. So it's Danielle, Danielle Steele. She is the best-selling author alive today. She has sold more than 800 million copies of her book, and she is the fourth best-selling fiction writer of all time. And she has had 179 books, 146 of them are fiction to her name. Literally the best-selling author of all time. I have not heard of her. Yeah, I've never heard her name. That's ridiculous. Best-selling author alive today. And no one's talking about it because she sells romance novels. Romance novels. And also, I was curious, too. I'm like, okay, so who are the top three? The top three is, top one is William Shakespeare. The second one is Agatha Christie, Hmm. who was a woman that I actually, I don't know a lot about. I don't know a lot about her either. I'm excited to check that out. The third one is a woman named Barbara Cartland, who is also a romance novelist. And then number four is Danielle Steele. So it's William Shakespeare, some woman that I don't know, which now I kind of want to yeah. look her up like, so I huh. can know more. Another romance novelist and then this romance novelist. Like, that is <laughs> insane to me. <laughs> and if you think about it, technically, William Shakespeare was also a romance novelist. Did his plays? Well, some of his plays ended with happy endings. I'm like, not all of them followed the formula. I think a few of them did. There were some comedies that ended well. Yeah. Definitely not Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of really horrible sad endings. But but still, isn't that crazy that like in the top four, there is two romance novelists of all time. For reference, like J.K. Rowling, who like if someone would ask me who's the most popular author alive I would probably say her yeah and she's like number seven or eight that's so nuts that it's like why why are we ignoring that fact that women are some of the best-selling authors of all time like the best-selling authors of all time besides William Shakespeare who's been around for like hundreds of years yeah and it's like literally Shakespeare yeah it's like you have to read his books for school at some point I kind of feel like he's a default answer for that one it's not like he's out there promoting his books anymore yeah, like she's the most famous, uh, not famous, because I hardly knew her at yeah. all. Like she's the most best-selling. successful, best-selling author. And 179. And, and the reason why I feel like she's underrated is just, yeah, because of the fact that she's a romance novelist. Number two is a woman named Nora Roberts. And looking on the list of like best-selling authors of all time, she's had, she sold a total of 145 million or... Okay, there's a minimum and maximum estimated sales. Her minimum is 145. Her maximum is 400 million. So she sold up to 400 million copies of her books, which is amazing. She's like within the top 15 um, best-selling authors of all time. She is the first writer who was in the Romance Writer of America Hall of Fame. Which and I didn't she, know existed. I know, which I love that exists. <laughs> she is known apparently as the queen of romance fiction. She also has a pseudonym of Eleanor Marie Robertson and also writes under the other pen names, other pen names such as J.D. Robb. So I wonder if it's kind of like dependent on her genre that she's writing for if she changes that up but she's written a lot of books okay and then this third one is this is when i am curious because the website that i referenced had nicholas sparks listed as the mo the third most popular romance novelist but hasn't he said that he doesn't want to be referred to as a romance novelist? Yeah, or? so there's a lot of things that go into this. So yes. Nicholas Sparks is usually referred to as a romance author. I think if you talk to pretty much a general American, they'd be like, yeah, he's a romance novelist. However, technically, they don't count because he doesn't follow the formula. Because um, they don't always have happy endings, yeah, right? They don't have emotionally satisfying endings. A lot of the times people die. And that's one of the main things that defines a romance novel is an emotionally satisfying ending. Also, he doesn't like the title of a romance author because he thinks his books have more depth than romance. Which 
it causes a lot of problems because it's a man demeaning romance and objecting to being associated with it. Um, kind of like a band member saying they don't want to be a boy band and have girl fr- fans. Girl you know? fans. Yeah, like, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but he's also like a man being heralded as a wonderful romance writer when there's women who are selling more books than him that actually follow the romance formula. Yeah, formula. And we're not talking about them at all. Totally. Well, it goes to my annoyance of people thinking that it's like, if it's sad art, it's more prestigious and it deserves Mm -hmm. to be recognized more versus if it is just a happy, good story, you know, and, or like, kind of like you said, like, oh, my have mine have more depth. And it's like, why? Because it ends in a bad, like it has a bad ending. Like, Shakespeare's tragedies are inherently better than his comedies because the tragedies will end tragically. They're just a different kind of story that serve different purposes. And the idea Mm -hmm. that sad art is inherently better, I think it just follows the the typical like starving artist, like it's better to make tortured art type of thing. No, we really romanticize tragedy as population and I don't get it I have a general rule right now where I am refusing to watch sad movies <laughs> good and you know what life has been a lot better because you deserve it <laughs> in the world of like fantasy of like movies and books and like we're going in there as like kind of a form of escapism you know like why yeah. do you watch a movie to like investigate another world like time period something else you know what I mean like and it's just so strange to me that it's like why would I want to spend the time and invest in this like fake person's life only for it to end badly yeah like that sounds so sad life is hard enough like why do you want the fake moments that you explore to also be sad like can we just be a little happy please yeah it's so crazy also one of the things that was in this that when they were talking about Nicholas Sparks was um a person was in line at a bookstore and two elderly women were in front of her and they were talking and they said that they would never buy a book written by a woman what yeah and so it creates this idea in society that books written by men are better and yeah. while that continues to exist, like romance novels will not get like the time and place that they deserve as many books as they sell because they'll never get the critical acclaim that books written by men will. Well, I also find it in- interesting too, just like the difference between the movies that are made by all of these different authors. Like I looked up like Daniel Still movies and like it looked like there were a lot of like movies in the 90s that probably were the type that like went straight to dvd or like were tv special you know just like lower budget things when it's like we all know the nicholas sparks movies yeah no i own a couple of them yeah they're really high budget (laughs) yeah they're they're like big deal releases and like everyone's seen the nicholas sparks movies it's kind of sad i'm sure she has wonderful plots that would make amazing movies like there's so many rom-coms that follow the same romance formula you know yeah Uh so it's like why can't we just base it off of a romance novel of one of these i don't know like i know and it's not like it wouldn't sell like she sold 800 million copies of her books i'm pretty sure there'd be an audience for like yeah i'm pretty sure she knows what she's doing as far as like storytelling for her audience um, continuing on with these top five romance novelists, number four is Robin Carr. Uh, mm-hmm. She's one of the most well-known names in romance novels since the eighties. Um, apparently she fascinated her readers with, especially with her, her series of hers called the Virgin river series, um, that detailed different love stories set in California forest outpost. Apparently there is also actually a Netflix adaption Ooh. of Virgin river. Or at least just something, I don't know if it's the whole series that she did or if it's just one story in it. So you could watch that on Netflix now. I don't know if it's already out or not, but yeah, she actually has a bigger budget type thing out. I mean, bigger budget isn't like for Netflix only, but hey, you know, nowadays that's pretty cool. Um, And then number five is Carolyn Brown. Her novel debut her debut novel, Love Is, was published in 1999. For the last 20 years, she has written historical and contemporary romance, specializing in cowboy romances. Um, her stories tend to be in the South and to feature a rancher with tall, dark, and handsome looks and a heroine that has no radar for love um, or like to be too preoccupied with her child or something like that. But of course, they end up falling in love anyways. 
So those are the current top five romance novelists. I know. In air quotes for Nicholas Sparks because <laughs> he doesn't he count. Doesn't, he doesn't count, but <laughs> I still thought we should mention the no, difference between definitely. how the world treats Nicholas Sparks and how they treat all these other women authors. I will say Safe Haven. Incredible book, incredible movie. I loved that book too. Yeah. And it does follow the formula, I think, technically. Yeah, it does. They end up happy together. So obviously, like, there's a lot of criticism that comes with romance novels, which is why I think a lot of people refuse to be a part of the genre or, like, mm-hmm. refuse to read the genre and get involved with it. Um, one of the ones is that it's, like, an easy read or whatever, which implies that readers of the genre are not intelligent, Um, A lot of the times it's also referred to as porn that means that the readers are only reading for sexual reasons or trying to like use it as an outlet for sexual frustration. And last, I've heard this one so often, they refer to romance novels as trash, that they're just bad and horrible and just trashy books. And I think I've also like fallen to that where I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to read those. Those are easy reads, you know, like they're just trashy. I think that's the one I hear the most commonly with romance novels. Yeah. It's like they're trashy, which is interesting, (laughs) honestly, um, because I don't think that a lot of authors are out there like trying to create easy reads that are porn and trash. (laughs) I don't think anyone sits down to write a book and goes, I'm going to write the worst book ever. (laughs) So it's just interesting. Um, A lot of authors in this article talked about how they really hate that their books are referred to as porn and then it's false and reductionist because it all romance novels don't have to contain sex scenes, which is very true for a lot of the ones I own. They yeah. don't have sex scenes. Well, I'm sure. And yeah, you're Christian romance novels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're still considered romance novels because the main focus is a love story. For example, one of the authors referred to her books as closed door because they don't contain explicit sex scenes, which I thought was a funny way of referring to them. And I like Yeah. I, I love this quote here. She said, can you imagine if we referred to all thrillers as violence porn? <laughs> like yeah. this would not happen because it reduces the genre just to being one thing. Or this one, as well, she argued, a sci-fi novel written by a man riddled with explicit, poorly written sex scenes gets positive attention when romantic fiction gets an eye roll mm-hmm. simply because it is written by a woman, which is the root of the problem. Because yeah. that's what I was thinking too. It's not like romance novels are the only books, movies, genre that contain sex scenes. Like oh, more no. than rom-coms. I, I'm thinking strictly movie-wise just because I watch more movies than I read books currently. Yeah. But there's sex scenes in literally, or there's sexual tension at least in every genre. Pretty much every movie contains at least some sort of love story. So yeah. And I think science fiction is an interesting comparison too, because they kind of started out as like more of a dime store novel, quick read kind of deal, you know, and they were looked down on for a very long time, but they've risen so high while romance novels are still stuck. And yeah. it's really that difference between male authors and female authors that makes what I think like a very big difference or like a male audience versus a female audience. Yeah, like who it's for. Is it for men or yeah. is it for women? And again, we've talked about this a lot, but it's like, why does society deem male interests as more sophisticated and smart than women interests? Anyone has a good answer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is that is the question for real. Another thing like Cosmopolitan, which is hilarious because it's a female magazine called a romance novel that was coming out too well written to be considered romance in 2019, which um, is amazing. <laughs> like in a bad way. Like, oh my yeah. gosh. It's like, are you kidding? Like, okay, it's too well written to fit in with a genre that like doesn't necessarily have anything to do with being badly written. I don't know. It's very strange to me. I agree. Okay. So this was a thing that I didn't know happened. So, you know, Stacey Abrams, mm-hmm. politician. Yeah. Um, so she was a romance novelist and, or at least she at least wrote a couple books as she's written a lot of different ones. But so I guess one of the most recent, I guess, public instances of romance sh- shaming is she went on the Stephen Colbert show to discuss her political career. And at one point he got out one of her romance novels that she kind of politely like said, yep, I wrote that. She was actually really funny and witty about it. I pulled up the YouTube video and I think she like handled it in a really, 
I don't want to say like classy way. It just, she handled it in a way that like she was still owning the situation, even though Stephen Colbert was kind of obviously trying to make her feel uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. Um, but his tone was definitely ridiculing. He brought up like how there is a sex scene in one of them and like laughs about how he's going to, if he should read one and reads a couple lines for it. It's just, it's just kind of funny that it's like, oh, like, can you believe this smart, intelligent woman would write a romance novel when it's like, no, like she, she can do both, you know, like she can be a smart, intelligent politician and yet also have a past career in writing romance novels. And that can just be one facet of who she is, you know? Mm -hmm. No. And that's really irritating to like treat it as like a joke. Yeah. It's like, no, she was a successful author and then you're shaming her. Exactly. Yeah. There was a point too in the interview where, (laughs) because she wrote it under a pen name. And the reason for that is because at the time she was either in grad, she was in grad school of some kind and she was writing her master thesis. And she was like, oh, so, you know, if you were to Google my name, there'd be the master's thesis in, I can't remember what it was, but it was some like very intellectual, it might've even been voting rights, but I can't remember for sure. But so mm-hmm. she brought up that like her publisher, like was like, that's going to be really confusing for people if they find your romance novelist and then all of your political stuff. And <laughs> there was definitely the offhand comment from Stephen Colbert of like, oh, well that one sounds smart or something like that. Oh, so it's kind gosh. of like, like I said, it's like people are assuming are like so shocked that an intelligent woman could have written romance novels when it's like, if she's a good writer, she's a good writer. And she probably enjoyed writing it. So who cares? (laughs) Yeah, that's so annoying. Um, Another thing that's interesting is that people are like, oh, well, that's unrealistic. It's idealized versions of love and romance. It will lead to problems and like not safe sex practices and everything. And an author argued back, like supposedly women who read romance novels are so stupid that they can't tell a story from reality. Is anyone worried that men who read spy thrillers are going to go after their neighbors with an automatic weapon? Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's the funny thing. Cause it's like literally every story in a way is unrealistic. Yeah, like, that's oh, exactly. It's a story. Like it's in a book. That's kind of the point. <laughs> like it is meant to not be realistic. Like you mentioned yeah. it's escapism. Mm-hmm. That's really what everything is. If you think about it, all of our forms of entertainment are technically escapism. Yeah. And it's okay. (laughs) We should let it be that. And it's also too, like, if if someone watches Superman, they're not going to go be like, ah, time for me to go jump off a building because it's, I bet I can fly. Yeah. Or like try to expose yourself to radiation to become the Hulk. Like we know it's fantasy. Like like women are not that stupid. Yeah. So it's kind of, um, it's a very good point that she makes that like that argument isn't a good one because it's like, okay, like idealized versions of love, like realistically, we know that like not all relationships are going to look that way. No, (laughs) that would be ridiculous. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. For our romance novel episode, I figured I would find some type of account to be a reference if you are needing one or if you're now, if it's piqued your interest at all. So this account is The Guide to Romance Novels. It is, I'm pretty sure it's basically just an account here that talks about different romance novels, shouts out different ones provides a little synopsis of all of them it's a cool account (laughs) there's a lot of hot guys on it because i'm sure they're all the men that are the covers of romance novels (laughs) there you go you're interested in (laughs) that's funny too it's weird to think about a world of like male models who primarily model for romance novel covers i actually i saw it on my instagram there's someone that I don't really know them very well, um, but my mom is like friends with them. Anyways, so she shared on her Instagram story that her son and his wife were the models for a romance novel cover. And I'm like, that's so just cool. To I be feel like that's a flex. The models for that. I think so too. To be like, we are so beautiful that we are literally the cover of a romance yeah. novel. Like, I think that's a really funny flex. So you'd be like, what's a cool fact about you? would be like, I was a model the for the cover novel. of a romance novel. Like, that's your go-to fun fact. Like, if anyone's yeah. like, what's a fun fact about you? There you are. You're set for life with that one. So, yes, if you're looking for recommendations, check it out. Again, it's a, the guide to romance novels on 
Instagram. I'm going to do a type designer. So um, she's actually releasing a new font on Monday that I'm really excited about, and I followed her for a long time. Um, her name is Jen Wagner, and her Instagram page is jenwagner.co. And she just has really creative fonts. The one she's coming out with on Monday is like a mix of serif and sans serif, which is really popular right now. And then um, I think she also, the script font I use sometimes on her page, I'm pretty sure is hers. Yes, it is. It's called Margot. If anyone wants to go check that out, it's a good one. Margot script font. She just has really pretty ones. I'm pretty sure I've bought quite a few of her fonts. And if you're like me and you're constantly looking for a good font, she's a good one to follow along with because you're pretty much guaranteed to get like at least one good one from her huge collection of them. Anyway, yeah, go check her out. I love font designers and there's not as many women in font designing. It's like another form of art medium that I'm like, oh yeah, that's got to be a thing that I just don't know about. (laughs) It's totally a thing and it takes a lot of work. I don't think people understand how much work it takes to create a font. It's a whole process (laughs) that I I will never probably dive into. I had to for one class in school and it wasn't even like a real font because to get it to be like a real font is a whole other like technical hurdle. Um, So we just created the letters for a font, and it was very hard. So I'm always impressed when people can actually come up with really impressive fonts that are beautiful and new and different from what's already out there because it takes a lot of work. As per usual, if you know of anyone or if you would like a shout-out, please DM us. And in the name of self-promotion, I'm just going to casually mention that my first single (laughs) is coming out July 23rd. So about two weeks from when this music, when this episode will be published. And it's Um, so good. It's, I'm so excited about it, if I'm being honest. You can follow my page at Daisy Music, spelled mm-hmm. D-A-S-I-E. I know you all know me as Sadie, but we're releasing music under the artist name Daisy. And yeah, if you pre-save it, that would be really helpful because I released music in the past under just my own name. So I had like Spotify followers on there. Now I'm starting from ground zero. Yeah. So... Any help is appreciated. So if you want to pre-save it, that would be really great because it automatically follows me when you do that on Spotify. And on release date, I'll be added to your release radar playlists. And that's just another thing that can be helpful. Yeah. So do it. Check me out, guys. Plus, I designed the cover artwork. So yeah, plus Donnie freaking killed it with the cover art. Yep. So <laughs> thank you. So you'd really be supporting both of us because you then you're saying both of yeah. our arts. You're like, ooh, I like Sadie's music and Stani's artwork, and I mean that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool in my opinion. So check it out, guys. Go pre-save it. All right, now back to the show. Continuing with just like people's criticism for romance novels there's also a pretty obvious way that like book critics have responded to romance novels mm-hmm. um so especially because there are a lot of men who you know are these critics um so we talked about Nora Roberts she's n- number 2 right she was the apparently queen of contemporary romance. She has published over 200 novels, but her books have only been reviewed by the New York teams twice, despite her novels being consistently bestsellers, which is crazy to me. Another kind of aspect too of this is there is a lot of like pushback against romance novels, also from other women, kind of like in the name of feminism. There is a quote here that says romance nourishes disappointed women, creates unattainable fantasy and is cause and effect of women's oppression, which I made the note of like, why does oppression always go back to being women's fault? Like, you know, and like, why are we pointing fingers at silly things like romance novelists of being a cause and effect of things when it's like it, I promise that like our system of oppressions are not uphold by the romance novel industry. Like, I just (laughs) promise you. 
that's it guys it's all that's holding us back from equality just romance novels just stop reading romance novels and like the idea that it's anti-feminist when it's like what like i mean i guess you know originally it was maybe pushed intentionally from this publishing company but like in a way what is more feministic than like the in the top four best-selling fictional authors of all time two of them are successful romance novelists right who are telling stories through women's point of view about them finding love and joy in their life you know like the thing that's interesting about people considering it anti-feminist is that it's like the authors and readers are both women Mm -hmm. like they're writing it for no one other than women and women are reading it for no one other than themselves it's not like a how-to book it's yeah a romance novel so it's like why is that not feminist in my opinion like that looks more feminist than a lot of other things because it's completely female dominated like without any attention towards the male opinion at all (laughs) yeah (laughs) I I really love this quote um it said just because a woman's story has a love story does not mean that the woman is passive the Mm -hmm. novels try to reaffirm women's independence by giving them choice in their own happiness which I really liked yeah well, there's a quote that I really like in here too oh yeah he says um it's sexist when critics critics automatically regulate anything concerning young women's lives to the beach trash dumpster bin especially when they're automatically elevating anything about young men's lives to the exalted spheres of literature Ooh, I yep I like <clears throat> that and that's like a huge part of it as well is that it's like really the only difference between the romance novel genre and any other genre of books is that the focus is on women. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that they continue to be considered lowbrow, like looked down on, get so much backlash, have so many different things that people say about it. It's trashy. It's, and then it's just the only difference is that the focus is on women and women dominate the industry but no exactly like literally the only difference and there's a lot of good things about it some people have talked about how romance novels is a useful way for teenagers to learn about relationships yeah and even to learn about sex like to learn about female pleasure and fantasy in a way that like could be educational and helpful like especially if they're following um, ideas of like consent and you know appropriate relationships if it's not toxic that's a great way for like a young female to like learn about a relationship yeah that isn't horrible (laughs) no I know I this quote that an article like an argument that the article was making was by allowing teenagers to learn about sex and romantic situations from romance novels, they view it less as a forbidden thing, but a way to connect with another person and are therefore more likely to have respect for their own bodies and sex itself. Romance novels can teach girls to be a part of a sexual relationship and not just an accessory, which I had never ever had thought of that perspective, but I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like if that was really like, I could totally see that argument. I can see that point of view for sure. And I would say for sure, like, I doubt that every single book out there follows like the good standards of what a relationship should look like. Um, And they've even talked about that. Not all romance novels are feminist and it's probably not inherently a feminist genre yet. But I think like with the change of society and how things are going, like, I think it could be. I think it could get to that point where like it turns into a place where women are represented and empowered in the books and Mm -hmm. in the books they read rather than it having this weird um, connotation of like every single one of them is like a rape fantasy when in reality, no, probably not. No, I think that's a good point to bringing up that it's like, it's not an inherently feminist genre like, cause we talked about how it's not anti-feminist, but mm-hmm. with that, it doesn't mean that it is, you know, feministic yeah. as a whole. Like, obviously there are going to be books that fall into the negative stereotypes of romance novels that encourage women to be passive or, you know, any different variation of it. But Definitely. as a whole, there are always like, there's the benefits of it that I think outweigh the, you know, the bad eggs, I guess, in I this, just, yeah. in this world. Like the potential for that genre to Mm -hmm. have and like the impact it could have is like something that I think should not be ignored yeah so I think that's wonderful especially like the point of view of like female 
pleasure within a relationship, like not just in sex, but like in the whole area of that. I think that's something that's still really overlooked in society as a whole. Yeah, I agree. And then one of the most interesting things they did is they talked about a study. And mm-hmm. This was really interesting. <laughs> I know. Cause like how it was, so they took a, their like pool, I guess, of people was on Facebook, you know, there's like different groups you can be a part of. And there were like different um, romance novel groups that they pulled people from. All of the participants were female, as I guess to be expected with this genre. And, and apparently there were, oh, sorry, was that? Oh, I was just going to say, they said they had a few men who had the opportunity to participate, but they all declined. Yeah, it's, so. I think it's funny. But the thing with this is that all of these respondents had pretty various demographics, married, single, white, or, you know, LGBTQ, teenagers, adults, like so many different potential backgrounds. You know, it wasn't just like the white middle-aged woman from an upper middle-class, you know, family. They really covered their demographics. Something that was funny is that majority of the participants were highly educated with at least a college degree, Mm -hmm. which kind of goes back and counters that argument of oh it's just poorly it's you know it's bad written it's badly written it's you know I I like that this quote here it says most people think that romance readers are undereducated overweight and undersexed but no that is not true they're very well educated women um and then they also talked to all of the respondents about their reactions that they get when they say that they read romance um, 40 out of 74 people, 48% said they got overly negative reactions. 13 said they got strictly positive and 39% said that they received a mix between the two. And out of the same responses, 64% that said they were very open about their love of reading romance, which is surprising. It's more than I thought actually. Yes. Same 29% said that they kept it a secret and 7% did not have any applicable responses. So Mm -hmm. it kind of goes to show that like, even if they love it and they're open about it, the majority of people are still getting overly negative reactions when they say that they read it. Yeah. And I like this next point that it brings where it's like the fact that only 13% of readers receive positive like reinforcement from it, yet more than half are pretty open about the fact that they love romance novels. I think they pointed out that like, maybe there's a shift going on where women aren't really letting shame control them anymore. And like people Mm -hmm. in general are more willing to be open about the things they love. So whereas like the shame hasn't gone away, maybe like the control that it maybe used to have over people is diminishing, which is really cool. I think. Yeah. And I hope that continues to be a trend for almost everything. Like I think that as a whole, like we just need to feel less shame for all the things that we enjoy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I feel like we've talked about that many times in will future that it's like, yeah, like just like what you like. It's okay. Something that was interesting is that there was not a single participant that denied that the shame existed and that everyone agreed that society had to do with that shame that they felt from reading these romance novels and being involved in them. Mm-hmm. So um, one reader stated that whenever one of her friends sees a book with a two-star or lower review, he states that it would be a book that she would like because she likes trash. Oh, that's so mean. <laughs> yeah. And several women also echoed that men were the ones who commented negatively on their reading choices, such as like one woman stating that her uncle routinely made her feel uncomfortable about reading romance and sexualizing the books, even though that may not necessarily be what they're about. Um, Something that I thought was so funny is that several women raised the point that their husbands were really the only ones in their lives who had a problem with them reading romance novels because they felt threatened by this. Like they felt threatened by the male characters in the books. Um, Apparently one woman said that it even contributed to her eventual divorce, which is an interesting dynamic to me that their husbands would be so afraid (laughs) of them reading these books. So weird. I just, I don't understand the concept of like feeling like you're competing with a fictional character. Yeah. And also like, how poorly are you treating someone? If it's like, I don't want them to read a book where things are happy and turn out well. It's like, (laughs) how are you treating your partner then? It kind of reminds me of, there's a trend on TikTok going on right now. Mm -hmm. And I make it through a single episode without talking about a TikTok. Probably not. Um, That's okay. Same. (laughs) 
where they talk about their boyfriend and they'll be like, he was written by a female. Have you seen those? No, I don't think I have. Yeah. Actually. Okay. There's been a few where they'll like show their boyfriend off and they'll be like, oh, he must've been written by a female author because of like the way he acts and everything. And I just think it's yeah. funny because it kind of shows that dynamic of it that it's like, okay, like and people can argue that men written by women are intrinsically better because it fulfills the female fantasy gaze. Yeah. And yeah, of what a man would be like and what women really want, whereas men don't seem to understand that. Um, so it's just funny. I feel like men should probably, if they feel threatened, maybe they should read one. Yeah. And be like, <laughs> oh, this is what my wife might want. Like, <laughs> ask her what her favorite romance novel is see what's going on there (laughs) and it kind of reminds me of like this idea of being threatened by it my mom was talking about how there is a lady in our stake for those who don't know it's like a church organization like a group Mm -hmm. I don't know why we call it a stake but not the meat anyway but um she's in like the leadership of this church organization and she writes romance novels and has actually had a couple of books and my mom was like oh I never read them because I saw the covers and I just automatically assumed that they weren't appropriate and I wondered how she could be in the leadership because they have like the bare-chested man yeah you know and everything and then she realized that there's a rating on them which is something that's good about a lot of romance novels they put a rating so you can tell like what you're getting into Oh, yeah. But they were all rated PG. And she was like, oh, I can't believe I judged that quickly just because there's like a bare chested man on the front. Like, they're all appropriate. And she has quite a few books. And so my mom's like, oh, I need to like give one a shot and see if she's any good. (laughs) I just thought it was so funny that it's like this idea that like, oh, well, it has a bare chested man on the front. It's probably so steamy and like inappropriate. And And also just like the assumption that all romance novels are steamy like that. When Uh it's like, no, like there's differences in the genre. If you don't want to read that, you don't have to read that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of them are just appropriate, like stories about love so good wholesome fun yeah so it's just funny like I think it fits into that that stigma against them that's like the covers that are traditionally associated as well like cause a lot of people to think that they're fluff or porn or inappropriate or trashy when in reality like the cover usually doesn't have anything to do with like the substance of the story necessarily so Mm -hmm. kind of funny now I I want to read a romance novel so bad. Like I want to find I'm like what is the best selling romance novel of all time? Yeah. I just want to read one. I'm like that sounds like something that would make me happy because I think especially when I'm trying to get back into reading, it's like what a better way to do it than one that I know is going to leave me emotionally whole. It's going to no, have a definitely. good happy ending and that will still be very well written. Um I'll shout out a few of mine. I don't know why I'm so embarrassed about this. <laughs> no, it's good. You're overcoming your internalized misogyny yeah I know I'm like I have a couple and they're really good so and yeah they do tend to lean more towards Christian romances so sorry if anyone's like I don't want to read about people who also talk about God but for the most part they're not like it's not like overly church focused I also tend to read a lot of ones that are set in the wild west I don't know guys amazing (laughs) it's just I don't know how it goes I guess (laughs) so um one of my favorites is Mary Connolly and she has this series she actually has two of them I think the first one is like lassoed in Texas there's three of them and each one focuses on a different couple within like the same town so all the stories kind of like fit together even though they're all different there's those ones and then she also has um my favorite one of hers is called the husband tree and i can't find it but it's a part of one of those series and basically the plot is like this western woman keeps having these crappy husbands who keep dying on her (laughs) so she has a kid from like all these different husbands because in the west like women couldn't survive without being married usually so anyway it's really funny and she writes about like a lot of strong female characters or like her male characters aren't toxic at all which I appreciate we love stories without toxic males yes and then the other series that I've read all of are by Sarah M. Eden and she has a couple of those as well those are not set in the west and they're not 
Christian, I don't think. But she talks about like a family of brothers or she has a family of mainly sisters that she did a whole series about too. So um, her first book, Seeking Persephone in the Lancaster Family Series, is so good. It follows the plot of like, well, it doesn't follow the plot exactly. It has a lot of tie-ins to like Persephone and Hades, like the Greek mythology. And she tends to do that in a lot of her books is like tie it into like the Greek mythology of it all, um, which I love. I love when people tie into classic literature or myth. Sarah M. Eden and Mary Connolly. I've read quite a few of both of theirs, and they're quite good. I appreciate the recommendation. Maybe I'll check out yeah. Lassoed in Texas. I never thought I would read a book called Lassoed in Texas, but <laughs> there's why just not, right? I don't know what it is about like the Wild West. I don't watch westerns. I don't know a lot <laughs> about it. I don't want to live on a ranch. But when the romance <laughs> novels are set in like old west, like there's just something charming about it. <laughs> I don't know what I it could, is. I can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. It's this I guess it's the part of the escapism, right? It's like I don't want to live there, but it's fun to explore every once in a but while. It's fun. <laughs> so now I definitely I wanna see what um these top writers at, that we talked about have as well. I know, me too. But yeah, I love I love them. I think they're fun. I think it's fun to be able to explore a book written completely by a woman for a woman, you know, with no other audience in mind. I also yeah. appreciate that they're kind of an easy read. Um, not necessarily that it means they're not intelligent, because I think they are. But like, mm-hmm. is it easier to get through them? Yes. It's not like reading like war and peace or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> They don't like have they're designed to be, to be a certain thing and that's what they are. Yeah, they're entertaining and easy to get through because they're compelling too. So I just think mm-hmm. it's a really good genre that doesn't get enough credit because of all of our inherent misogyny. Cool. Well, challenge to everyone. Go find yourself a romance novel, read it, and report back. Yeah. And literally, there's like so many genres. If you want to go read period romances, they've got them. If you want to go read about werewolves like they have them (laughs) like it basically pirates cowboys everything like anything you want to go touch on I'm sure there is a romance novel out there that fits it so go check one out go see how it is and if it's really bad then maybe try another one that's rated really good (laughs) yeah just because one romance novel doesn't mean they're all bad yeah I'm sure there are like some trashy ones out there but I think it's just that's how it goes with all genres and all books. Cool. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our chat about romance novels. Hope you are inspired to go read one as I am. If you've been enjoying the show, please do not hesitate to leave us a review um, or follow us on Instagram or on TikTok. We're more active on Instagram. So yeah, go check are. us out there. <laughs> but We have a few things on TikTok, though, if you want to check them out. Things. Yes. And yeah, if you've been enjoying it, reach out to us. We always love talking to you guys. So. We do. Reach out, rate, review, comment, follow, all the things. We love having yeah. all of you around. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.